When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow underway. The Tuesday edition is here. We're glad you're here with us at outkick.com slash watch. Streaming on uh, the website plus uh, other social media platforms. YouTube is where you can find us post-show. Just subscribe to the channel there, but just bookmark the page. Outkick.com slash watch. We've got John McClain coming up in about uh, 40 minutes or so later this hour. Uh, Trey Wallace from outkick.com will also join us. The very latest across college football and more. Chad, good afternoon. Hutton, we're in the middle of what I like to call the spring tease right now. If you notice, I'm in short sleeves, yes. and it's like 70 degrees and sunny right now, and I know it's Beautiful. about to be 25 degrees again. And the, the Masters, the Augusta promos, are already they already started. It's too good to be true. So I Madness, know when it's February and it's this warm, it's too good to be true. It's going to get cold again. Maybe uh, the, the reaction from Reggie Miller, uh, too good to be true, uh, compared to what we're seeing from uh, Cheryl Swoops, for instance. Of course, Reggie Miller, uh, uh, critical of Kenny Smith's uh, response following a three-point contest against Steph Curry involving Sabrina Unescu. And, well, he's call it, more or less calling uh, Kenny Smith a, a, a sexist. Uh, well, back in October, Cheryl Swoops, one of the top women's players, period, uh, went on the Gilbert Arenas podcast and was critical of Caitlin Clark, who just set the all-time women's scoring record and and had uh, comments about, well, yeah, she's likely to do it, but she's going to use the COVID year, so she's had the extra year. She is uh, older. She's 25, competed against 20-year-olds, um, saying that she takes 40 shots per game, so on and so on. And, well, she came back and said, and props to Cheryl Swoops, uh, what, two nights ago, she was on the call of a uh, college basketball game and said, hey, um, you know, recently, Angel Reese reached out to her about two weeks ago and said, hey, I'd love to uh, connect with, with Caitlin if, that, if we can make that happen. Angel Reese did that after Caitlin Clark set the, the scoring record and had a conversation where she more or less admitted that she made a mistake with those comments said that she has nothing but respect for Caitlin Clark, that, in fact, she did it during her senior year, during four years and not the extra year, uh, loves what she's doing on the court and off the court for women's basketball. And I say props to Cheryl Swoops for coming back around and, and admitting this and also not making it about her because when she was asked what details of what the conversation was like, Chad, what she says, oh, well, I'll leave it up to her if she wants to unveil that, but I'll keep that private for now. That's how you handle something. Yeah. And she's right. I mean, she's the all-time leading scorer, and then she's gone on now to surpass Shadur Sanders for the uh, top salesperson involving uh, college athletes right now, according to Fanatics. I mean, look, we've all said something stupid or had a bad take before, or, you know, you, you do this long enough especially, and you don't have to do this job at all to have said something stupid 
right. or done something stupid, just own it and move forward. And it's not that big of a deal. You really diffuse a situation a lot better if you say, yeah, I was wrong about this, was wrong about that. I've watched this person play a lot more now. And guess what? I was wrong. She's great. It's not going to take a COVID year to do it. She's going to shatter that record in a COVID year if she decides to come back to Iowa next year to exercise that extra COVID year. Now, there are going to have to be some delineations from previous records based on this COVID extra year. I do think we need to at least put an asterisk next to some things. Not Caitlin Clark, because she did it before the COVID year. But if records start to shatter because someone you know is in sure. college for six years and they get that COVID year, we need to look at that just like we look at pre-freshmen not being able to play and post-freshmen being able to play, a la Pistol Pete Maravich at LSU, yes. and all of his records where he averaged 44 points a game in three years because he couldn't play as a freshman. He lit up the freshman games, the freshman team, when he was a freshman at LSU. So we do need to look at some of those things statistically with the record books. But statistically, what matters is she's the leading scorer in the history of women's college basketball. And Caitlin Clark is, is a show. She's incredible. She's fun to watch. She's easy to root for. And it's all positivity when you watch her play. Now, I know Jay Williams and some others have said things like, well, show me a championship. You know, that's, that's how I deem the great one. She needs to win a college championship if she's going to be truly great. That's a big expectation to put on one player on a team to go win it all. But she was there a year ago in the national championship game. She could get there again. So I want to see that happen. They don't play defense. Have you seen these final scores? I, I don't. I mean, it's crazy. I, name it's a, fun. Name another player on Iowa's roster well, right, too, other yeah. than Caitlin Clark. Correct. I mean, I, no doubt. Again, like watch their offense. It is Caitlin Clark handles the ball, and she'll drive, and she might kick it out to a wide open three point shooter who's just set at the three point line, ready to shoot. And maybe they make it, maybe they don't. That's Iowa's entire offense is, is Caitlin Clark. So I'm not going to say she has to win a national title to be considered one of the greatest or the greatest women's basketball players of all time that we've seen in college. But I'm rooting for that to happen. I'd well, like to see if she can go out and single-handedly, really, when you think about her supporting cast, go win a championship. I can't think. like So if it's not her, who is it? Without I don't think she has to have a championship to be any more well-known than what she already is. Well, look, I, mean, I think that, that's the we point. can... Like if you, it doesn't. I don't think it changes her spot on the the hierarchy of greatest players. You know, even if if, if, if we're hearing that from guys who have played the game, like, uh, sure, you've got titles. Well, it's funny. I I searched exactly what Jay Williams said, and the first thing that pops up is Jay Williams' crush for his absurd Caitlin Clark isn't great. Take yeah, he said she's not great because because of the he title? defines greatness as like Michael Jordan. Leading to a championship. I, I don't I, I think we're mincing words because she is great. Of course. Reggie Miller as a player, to me, he was great. Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer. He's not the greatest of all time. There's a difference between the two. Is Jay Williams saying I can't say she's the greatest of all time because she has no titles to her name yet? I mean, I guess I'm willing to listen to that debate, but to say she's not great is just we're really getting deep into the word great. And your definition of great is just the greatest ever. Something can be great and I also, without being the greatest of all time. I also want to hear the nuance of the, the conversation and what he was set up with or the conversation of someone else on the panel that he was discussing this with. 
he may have been responding to goat. Yeah, her his, you know, his, someone his else, exact his, someone else could have called her the goat. Well, here's the quote asked about her greatness. He said she's probably the most prolific scorer the game of basketball has ever seen. I am unwilling to say that she is great yet. I think she is Steph Curry of women's college basketball. By the way, Steph Curry's won four titles, but Great. neither here nor there. Right. I think she has changed the dynamics of the way the game is played. I think the way she plays, the pizzazz, is like she's probably the most prolific scorer the game of basketball has ever seen. I am unwilling, and maybe it's the Kobe mentorship around me, to say that she is great yet. I think she is the most prolific scorer the game has ever seen. I hold great or the levels of immortality or the pantheon to when you win championships or the pantheon to which you win championships. I'm just being honest. That's me. Diana Taurasi, when you win three consecutive titles, two-time National Player of the Year, it has to culminate with a chip. Diana Taurasi was surrounded by by greatness being coached for Gino Ariema at UConn also. So that's very uh, different. To your point, though, we knew several other players on that roster during that run. Yeah. You know, and at Iowa, what? Put Caitlin Clark on UConn. At any point, and they're probably winning two or three national titles. And, and she's still the face of UConn. She has transformed Iowa women's basketball forever. But at, as a one-player show with not a great supporting cast around her. So, But is she the all-time leading scorer at I, UConn? Uh, I, doing I, I that? Just think, no. I think Jay Williams is trying to think too much about the word great. It's not greatest ever. And great can extend past two or three players. Yes. So she's a great player. I don't understand how this is difficult to assess her greatness as great shooter, great for the game of women's basketball, transcendent for Iowa women's basketball. In a word, great. She's great. That's easy to say. And Jay Williams probably should just say that. In the world of NIL, Shudor Sanders is great. Uh, He and his brother Shiloh, along with the older brother, uh, uh, Dion Jr., they bought a home for Deion Sanders in the Boulder area. Have you seen this? 17,000 square feet. <laughs> they bought this home for their father in a video that they posted on social media. Um, over uh, This was a couple of weeks ago, I believe. Chad, the... the uh, Do you think that does well to recruit to Colorado? I mean, Deion does that on his own. Deion I, I know, is but like, when flash. it's your kids doing it... like I, I see that, and if I'm a player thinking about Colorado... That turns me off when it's the two coaches' kids that were already rich to begin with that right. are buying a house for their dad on video. Like, I see 33 that. 33 acres. Think, I'm not going to play for this. Dude. Chad, you looked at property today. This I, is 33 acres. Yeah, I, I, I looked at 12 acres. I, and I, I'm right. telling you that uh, the area I looked in, probably not as expensive as Boulder, Colorado, wherever they got this 33 acres. Maybe it is. $7.2 million dollar home. Uh, unbelievable. Um, Again, though, I just look at all this. There's, there's now, there's cracks in the facade of Dion and his ego. There's, uh, I saw anonymous. I think it was on three had an anonymous top recruit talking to an outlet says Dion Sanders turned off multiple people because he's so cocky. No that, doubt that they're saying like, I don't think he understands that he's not a great Division One college coach yet because he hasn't done anything at this level yet. And he acts like he's the greatest coach in the history of college football. And that's turning people off. I see that. And I also pair it with his kids buying him a house. Kids that were already rich because of Deion Sanders. Well, we, daddy. We had Deion Jr. on there. once. And he was, he's got this you know, marketing 
deal. He's got this clothing line that on his own. He, he called in to defend that. Remember I'm just this? speaking personally, just like Jay yeah. Williams has his own definition of great that sure. no one else has, that apparently includes one or two people, Michael and Kobe, only two that are great. That's it. Funniest response I saw, by the way, to Jay Williams is Doug Gottlieb, who says, apparently Larry Bird, not great, because he made a national championship game and lost at Indiana State as a player. Not a great college player, though, according to Jay Williams, which is a terrific response. Um, if I'm a top college football player, and I see a video of two kids of the head coach, the head coach who's wearing jewelry that would give Mr. T a backache during the games, buying him a house. My initial thought is I don't want to consider playing for that program until the kids are gone because that's just too much for me as a player. Seeing daddy coach two kids – of his own, and then have that stuff going on. But see, I don't. That's a weird I situation to me. I, I think it would, and it has affected the, the the way that they recruit high school. You know, I don't think it affects the transfer portal for him. I think that's that's been the the focus. He's got all these different celebrities on the sideline. I mean, there. That's it, the way you're responding is the way I would respond if well, I were being I, recruited. But it's a different. It's just a different world. It's a different recruiting landscape. It turns it turns off some. But it is like a, a fly to a, a light I, I, for others. I don't think I'm putting too much pressure on Dion to say this. He needs to win eight or nine games this year. Hey, I, There is so much talk going on, and we have seen it time and time again that you can turn a roster over in the portal quickly. Yes. They turned it over where they could win a few games early on and then do nothing. They also need to turn over some coaches, which they've done, and they have to yep. prove they can do it. This last year they did that. They've got a lot of money. They've got, as, as Hutton said, you know, Colorado is Hollywood on Saturdays with the people they have yeah. on the sideline. Like, I don't – eight or nine wins may be a lot to ask for. They need to go to a bowl or win seven games this year. Show some legitimate improvement. Even though they're going to be moving conferences, I don't care. Not going to a bowl game in two years for Deion Sanders with all the bluster, all the Aflac commercials, all the jewelry, all the talk, everything else, that's unacceptable to me. That well, is unacceptable, and I, I would hope Deion Sanders would say the same. Well, I think he probably you, would. You know my, my motto here. It's not if you lose, it's how you lose. They could start off the same way they did a year ago. They're going to be on national TV. So they open up against North Dakota State, but then they have Nebraska, Colorado State, Baylor. And the Colorado-Colorado State game had both – uh, big noon kickoff and college game day on campus. They can st- that four game stretch. They can start out in a similar fashion: uh, two games at home, two games on the road. Nebraska and Colorado State on the road. But Chad, if they that, even if they won against Stanford, for instance, this past year, the way that they f- fell off flat towards the end of the season that resonates with me more than the way they started. Even though, I mean, if, if no matter oh, how they finish this past season, they're still going to be nationally relevant and pull massive numbers because of the Hollywood well, I, feel I don't, to it. I, again, though, I, I don't think they didn't hire Deion Sanders just to get TV ratings. They hired him to win, too. The winning and the TV ratings are supposed to go hand in hand. He won September. There's no denying and, it. And, and Colorado won because of the ticket sales and where they were he, versus where he they were. Won, he won September. Of his first year. And Colorado won, though, is my And point. he failed miserably with that team the rest of the way. They lost 46-43 to a terrible Stanford team. They lost 56 to – about not just if you lose, but how you lose. It was 56-14 to 14 to Washington State yes. last year. They, they, they were bad. 
That's a bad football team. And it, it, now they, I, I'm and willing to were. give him grace because he came in and just set off a, a bomb in the house and said, everybody get out. I'm going to blow this thing up and start it from scratch. But what so they have, I give them the one year, but they need to be better this year. I mean, they were awful in 2022, what you just said. Then they sold out the season at home. Now they have a wait list that you can join for next year. I mean, and the, the just the, the, the city itself, we, we saw the financial numbers. It's crazy. Yeah, they're winning money-wise. I, I, I'm saying for Deion Sanders to be the coach that he espouses to be, it's got to eventually be more about tickets he sells. Well, sure, but I, I don't think they got to win. But he's not the one saying it's all about tickets. He he's I, I, again. I, I go back to I'm surprised, but I I can't sit here and say that I disagree with much of anything that he said at a podium this year and how he handled losses. I thought he would handle uh, the loss and the stretch of a bad season worse, and in fact, it, he reacted in many cases the way I would react. You know, where he felt gutted. He even said like you know this. He, what, it, what the way they perform, you mentioned some of those final scores. Post game, if you go and watch his pressers, where well, he sits there and a- answers every question, he's just as pissed off about that as anyone yeah, would be I, about look, wins I, and losses more than butts and seats. I'm not but he's saying still, he's still going to be the same sales. He's, he's going to sell the same brand regardless of the score. Yeah, I, I think he needs to reconsider that brand if they go four and eight again this year. Because I don't know that the brand is working with big time recruits. He got Jordan Seaton. He's a five-star offensive tackle yep. to go away from Tennessee and Ohio State and others. But that's He's done moderately well in the portal with volume. I don't know how much quality is coming in in the portal. He's getting a lot of guys. That's, that's but fair. But he got a lot of guys a year ago. I just... And what, the other thing, too, just going back to the Sanders, Shadur is a legit Power 5 quarterback. I didn't know that where, he's, where he was playing versus what he was. If they enhance the offensive line, that alone could get them into a bowl. And it's going to be really hard to do that when you're turning over five new offensive linemen every year in the portal. Now, he's going to start a five-star freshman, probably in Jordan Seaton at left tackle, I would guess. But other than that, it's going to be hard. I mean, they could improve a little bit. But that's the only way they but can they improve need right to, now. They need to improve a lot. You can't, it's hard to improve an O-line out of high well, school starting this, freshman. This goes back to is, Just the, body size. is it the chicken or the egg, <laughs> right? He could have come in with a little bit of humility, and said, we probably don't need to kick every player off this team. We're going to need some depth. Started to build through the high school ranks and the portal, not just the portal. Not just came in and said, my way or the highway, I know what's good. You guys suck. Get out. And tried to completely flip everything over with the portal. And that bit them as the season went on. Will it bite them again? I don't know. I just know it's very hard to get a good offensive line strictly from the portal. And that's what he's trying to do. But the only way to flip it and actually have immediate results is that way, especially at those positions up front. And here's the other thing. Well, you can do it when you have a base. It bit them in the back end of their schedule where they were taking advantage. I mean, they did go on the road at TCU and win that game. Yeah. With that that flip. TCU sucked. Well, Well, let's go ahead and say TCU was a But the players that he replaced were awful. Yeah. And he was honest about it, which ties into your – uh, no commentary no, on no, Patino. No doubt. But my point is, it's about strategy. Like, that's great if you're going to stand on that, right? Like Eli Drinkwood stands on business. Right. If you're going to stand on everybody here sucks, get out. I don't care if you're from the state. I don't care where you're from. I'm going to bring in my own guys. Okay, that works. All right? If you continue to build upon that. I don't know that they have the base down pat this next year 
from this past year because so many other guys left and so many other things are changing. It's like he's trying to do it again through the portal. And if you do that every year, I don't know that it's going to work. It's going to put butts in seats. It's going to get us talking about it. It's going to get Fox's big noon kickoff there and college game day and all these things early in the year. But will it actually be substance or will it just always be style? I don't know. And he's not going to have the benefit of having his son play quarterback for him forever. He's going to have to go right. find a good quarter. His son's a very good quarterback. We saw that this past year. That needs an offensive line. He's going to have to go find something. It's all based on the perspective and perception of what you expect him right. to do. At Kentucky, they'll give you an extension for winning six games a year and a $50 million buyout. And that's a success. Well, look, I think he gets an extension if he wins six games a year at Colorado. Nope. He's got to but, get up to that point right, in the he, Big 12. But he went, he went from turning over practically everyone. But what, what was it? How many scholarship players was he down to? Was it It was 10 or 11, something like that? It was, yeah, it was by his own doing. Right. Yes. But chose to do that and then won four games. Like, the, compared to what he inherited, great. Now, you're right. Now he's got to build on it. But I don't think he's, he's just about just showing off the watch and the cowboy hat. Um, it, that's not the coach I saw at the podium post. Well, he's, he, is, now, uh, he is a walking uh, contradiction. Because I agree with you that everything he says is old school. When he's talking about his team and how he handles players. But everything he shows is very new school. Flashy. Yes. I'm all about me. I'm all about the money. Let's go make money together. Let's do that. It's very different in what he shows versus what he says. But, so that it's it's finding the balance of that and the right guy for the program, and maybe he found it this off season. But I'm I'm fascinated to watch how this transition to the Big Twelve goes, yeah, and how this experiment of I'm just gonna get rid of everyone I don't like every year and bring in a bunch of other guys every year and see how that works. That's good. It's because like Ole Miss is a good example, Ole right? Is doing it. Ole Miss though has a base, right? They still keep guys on the roster. They're gonna return starters on the defensive line or offensive linemen or veteran guys. And then they say, we had this one and done on the end of his career, so we're going to bring in eight more one and dones. But how many were one the, and done last come in year and help in certain that spots. came in? Like they, they're still retaining guys that they brought in. There's which a, is, well, there's a number of guys. Like Jackson Dart's a good example, someone who stayed. No, I'm saying like that came Colorado. Came in and stayed. I'm saying that Colorado from last year, it's not like they had to replace guys that transferred in with him year one. They've had to replace some, but but, the, but the, some of the ones we know are, are back. Yeah, yeah, you know, and that that you were like, oh wow, he's getting this guy, you know. Um, so I'm I'm comparing Dion uh, and the whole aspect of and I now now go back to Caitlin Clark. Now she surpassed Shadur Sanders for the top NIL earner. That's that's great. And good that's for greatness. Her. Good for her. If you're a young girl playing basketball, I, I mean, I would want uh, the ratings, a Caitlin Clark jersey. So what, that's that makes sense. Was it a, 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 a million and a half tuned in to the uh, to the performance of setting the record? Did I read that? Um, was it more than that? I don't know. That sound that sounds like a good number. Yeah, for would, a women's I, basketball game during the week. That's what I would say. Yeah, um, and that was a Google search yesterday we were talking about. But so uh, Dion's very honest about it, though. Rick Pitino has also doubled down on his comments about St. John's and naming players specifically and their, and their faults, their deficiencies, uh, where he says, hey, I, I'm fine with what I said, is what Pitino has said in regards to the comments made, where he's, uh, what do you say, that I'm the most uh, unhappy or this has been the most unfulfilling? 
yeah, in my I, career. I, I felt like I was trying to like find a snuff film online to find the actual press conference of this. It was so difficult to find. I thought I had to go to the dark web to find Rick Pitino's actual press yeah. conference and not just quotes written out when he just lambasted his entire team and threw them all under the bus. I did see that today. In stories that were out today, to say that he doubled down saying, I'm fine with everything I said, Hutton, I did find that, oh, here's the actual video. And here's what I found in watching the video and seeing Coach Patino and hearing his voice and his voice inflection, everything. Dude was as cool as a cucumber. He was as calm as can be. He was not angry at all. He was just laying it out there for everyone to hear. He laid his soul bare for all of those yeah. Queens, New York reporters that were there in that room. He just said, look, this guy, he's slow laterally. He's just never going to be fast. This other guy, he tries hard. He's got great heart. He's also slow laterally. We got this other player who physically is not strong enough. We got this guy. He was very calm about it and very, very honest. I don't want to be a hypocrite on this show. I don't want to say one thing one day and then come back and say the complete opposite about the same thing. All right? So I'll say this. While I don't always like what the coach has to say when he's being honest, because I think at times it comes across as them being babies and not taking their own responsibility, I'm not going to crush Rick Pitino or Penny Hardaway or anyone else that does exactly what everyone in the media asks of our coaches, players, Everyone that's involved in sports. What do we want more than anything else? We want you to be honest. We want you to give us something. Give us a soundbite. Tell us something. Tell us what you really think. Don't give us coach speak, right? Coach speak is a four-letter word for the media because it's boring, because we can all expect it and none of us like it. So when a coach like Rick Pitino, someone that's been around the block as long as he has and had as much success as Coach Pitino has had, when he's willing to be honest to that level, even if it's about players on his team, and he's saying stuff I've told them many times. They all know this. Sometimes I say things that I want them to see also. This was one of them. When they're that honest, when Penny Hardaway is starting his comments by saying it effing sucks to lose like this, this is awful, the way we look out there, I'm here for it. I'm not going to crush these guys for being exactly what we want the media for them to be. Honest. Be honest. Tell us what you really think. Tell us what's going on with this team. Tell us about this player. Tell us why you've lost 8 out of 10 or why you lost by 40 points in this game. I'm totally fine with it. I'm, I'm not ever going to have any big objection to it. Now, we, we're going to comment on what exactly is said. Yeah. I don't think with Rick Pitino's thing it's really going to cost them that much because he really is pointing out physical limitations that, as he said the next day, these things aren't going to change magically in the next two weeks. So I'm fine with somebody being hurt over it or whatever. We're going to keep practicing to do the best we can with what we have. But it's not like me saying this is going to make this guy less laterally quick. It's basically his point. He's like, I'm, I'm just saying the truth about yeah, my a, team. Was, I'm good with it. He, he said that uh, he truly wasn't ripping anybody. I was, yeah. He says he stands by his choice of words. He also said, quote, uh, and this is through uh, Newsday. I was pointing out in a monotone voice why we lost. I'm not always calm and certainly not when I rip someone. I was not ripping anyone. I sometimes want my players to hear my words and read my words. That was my intention Sunday. And I'm fine with what I said. I'm yeah. fine with it, too. Yeah. I, and I'm fine with him being honest. By the way, I do not look for snuff films online. I've just heard they're hard to find. Davey told me. 
that they're oh, really yeah. difficult to find. You got to go to the dark web. You got to have but his he, password. He calls them snoof films, not you gotta, stuff you, films. That's right. You, that, you know that's not the actual word that it said. That's yeah, what he told it, me. But he sounds like. Snoof. But he's got his own password on the dark web to find it. It really was hard to find any footage of that press conference. I was looking for it yesterday and could not find the actual like raw footage right. of the press conference other than the written word. And then today I find it in the, the start of a, an article. It's not hard to find uh, those that are on the side of Reggie Miller and the comments that he made during the, the post-three-point contest uh, between uh, Sabrina Unescu and um, uh, Steph Curry, where Kenny Smith made just a, an easy point and said, you know, women's basketball, size of the basketball smaller, she, she should shoot from the women's, uh, the WNBA Three, the three-point line. He said he wished he would have shot from her three-point line. Yeah. Almost saying, like, probably I, he probably would have won had she done that. It was so close when she shot from yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, because she, she could have easily won this competition with how she was performing anyway. Uh, and then, of course, Reggie Miller says, don't put boundaries. Don't listen to uh, Kenny, Sabrina. Don't put boundaries on your game or yourself. And, of course, social media and the platform, everyone's uh, jumping all over Kenny Smith. You go, Reggie. Yeah. You go. Let me, let me give you an imitation of what social media said after yeah. this. You go, girl. Reggie Miller, you go, girl. Do not put limitations on that young lady. How dare Kenny Smith talk about the three-point line being shorter or mention ladies' tees. Ladies' tees, schmadies' tees. You go, girl. That was social media. That yeah. was my impression. And then uh, it was either that or jumping on Kenny Smith. Yeah. You, you know, how dare you, you sexist. sexist. Yeah, you sexist commentator. What is this, Mad Men? Is this the 1960s in an office yeah. somewhere? Yeah. Kenny Smith. To which I say, you know, if Kenny Smith is sexist about pointing out the women's three-point line, then the WNBA is sexist. Yeah. For having a shorter uh, distance. Women's basketball. To the three. Yeah, the, whole women's, the women's basketball, the size of the women's basketball is sexist. Uh, well, he joined Stephen A. Smith on the Stephen A. Smith show, and, well, he stands by his comments. He should. Because it's just pointing out the obvious and also had to point out, look, I'm just making, I'm stating a fact. Uh, I'm not trying to be uh, against women competing against men in the three-point contest, and I'm not sexist. What is your thoughts about everything everybody is saying? Yeah, I, I think it's much to do about nothing, Stephen, uh, honestly. Um, most people who know basketball understood what I was talking about. Actually, I was advocating for her more than anything else because... Basketball is all is muscle memory. Right. So he practices from one range. She practices from the other. There's even a study, I think, with somebody throwing darts, the guy with those darts. Okay. And if you move him out one step, his accuracy changes dramatically. Mm. But the funny thing about it, if you move him in one step, his accuracy changes because you take so many shots from the exact same thing. So I'm like, why is he getting the, the advantage mm. to shoot at his line that's mm -hmm. an advantage it does it's not gender it's not genetic it's an advantage it's a muscle shooting it's only muscle memory and so that's what kind of i don't know people who don't you know actually play the sport mm -hmm. don't understand it's all muscle memory but the second part i think well i think when reggie like was joking about about oh so she could play with dolls because it was a comment i think that sabrina when she was younger right that someone said you should play dolls and stop. My thought, I have daughters. So my thought, when I first heard that, I was like, what's wrong with that? You mm. should play with dolls and you could do sports. So I actually said it. Right. Like, you should play with dolls. And I screamed my daughter's names out. London, mm. Kayla, you can play with dolls. But see, most people just don't check the tape. They mm. want to just, 
check the bait. You right. know what I mean? And by the so way, they want to have bait. My, my instrument track record is, it speaks for itself. Well, yeah, props to Kenny Smith for what he said there and what he said on the broadcast earlier. Then you have, oh, Stephen A., who points out, most people just don't check the tape. They just want to check the bait. And then he, he goes on to say that, yeah, the, the, the clickbait is just those that are looking for the hate reaction, looking into something. And, well, they got it with Reggie Miller jumping on board uh, with uh, the uh, virtue signaling that was going on there. Yeah, I, I thought Kenny Smith handled himself so well in that response and made so much sense that even I saw like awful announcing who originally was pretty critical of him and their write-up about the back and forth with him and Reggie Miller basically admitted like, yeah, I, I think, you know, people that jumped to one conclusion after hearing his explanation probably were wrong that he's fine in, in what he's saying in his assessment. And, and maybe we rushed to judgment on what he was saying because of the way Reggie Miller reacted. Well, but, but here's what part of the reaction is, as Stephen A. Smith points out. Uh, they're looking for clicks instead of doing anything else. I mean, if you have a headline that says, um, Caitlin Clark should have used a WNBA basketball. Yeah. Right. Or, 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 or should have had the WNBA three-point line, which in this case was Kenny Smith's point. That, who's clicking on that? She should shoot from the WNBA line. Right. Oh, she, okay. Uh, if you have Kenny Smith is sexist for his comments about WNBA and Caitlin Clark, you get the you know, Reggie Miller's uh, venting on behalf of everyone in America. You're getting the click on that. My, in, in the, oh, and, oh, by the way, you're actually going to watch the NBA All-Star Weekend for the first time, too. Yeah, by it, doing it did so. not cause me to watch it. I did watch the, 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 hear the back I'm saying and the, forth. Clip, the clip of the contest. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't even know that I watched the clip. I just heard the audio of it back. But yeah, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a media business driven by clicks in, in some way. My issue becomes when almost it's not just main. I don't like the just purely manufactured. Like, I feel like I'm hearing this person's opinion and it's not really their opinion. Right. They're siding with something they feel like they should side with because it's going to make them look better. The virtue signaling of Reggie Miller, to me, is a good example of that. Or... Some of the pieces I read about Kenny Smith in, in light of all this. I don't like that stuff. I also don't like that these pieces create a generation of people who are actually dumb enough to have a huge problem with what Kenny Smith said, right? These are two different things we're talking about. Like the side that's automatically going to crush Reggie Miller, all right? That, yep. That's one thing. Versus the side that's automatically, even if they don't fully believe it, Going to crush Kenny Smith, but like what, you know, we do it for bait and we don't check the tape. Those two sides, that's one thing. The other part of this that we don't talk enough about are the people that are tricked into being so stupid that they actually have an issue with what Kenny Smith had to say. And it's their legitimate opinion because they're trained to have that opinion. group thing. Because, you know, they read whatever rag is out there that they get online with their algorithm that convinces them that if you try to put limits on any woman physically or any man physically, if you try to say a man can't have a child, then you are holding people back and you're yeah. putting boundaries on them. And that is wrong. Those people there that are, actually yeah. believe that that's another issue that we're now facing. There are two like genders, the, Chad. the two genders or uh, the two realities or my truth is this true. There, there's truth. There, there are facts. There are truth. There are opinions. 
about certain things, but there also oh, are the, facts and truth. No doubt. And the fact is, women play with a smaller basketball, and they shoot closer from three. And that's the Which fact that Kenny so Smith obvious. was bringing up. And also, I do like the, the comeback where Kenny Smith is like, well, what's wrong with playing with dolls? That's a good throwback to someone who's trying to virtue signal you. Oh, suddenly now playing with dolls is a bad thing? You got a problem I mean, with playing with dolls, Reggie? Having what, re- what's wrong with that? I have daughters. They play with dolls, and they can play sports. Having Reggie answer the question of why the WNBA puts boundaries on their players with a, a smaller distance from three. Shorter distance from yeah. three and a smaller basketball. I, that, that I want to, like, that in real, in live TNT, like, that would be amazing. Now, you can't always have the perfect response on live, when it, especially with this, which is just an obvious point that Kenny Smith is making. But, Chad, the, the, the other point is, uh, a lot of, I think a lot of times you just react to whatever the group is saying. Uh, and, and those that are not doing that, in many cases, edit themselves to whatever the group is saying or whatever, you know, the social media platform is saying. Which may or may not be true. Yeah, they hold they hold which back. Which is just as bad, by the way. There's a lot of people who just hold back because they it's think just like, oh, I know, I know that Kenny Smith is right. Right. And Reggie Miller is wrong. But I can't say something positive just about Kenny Smith or bad about Reggie Miller because then I'm gonna be lumped in with this. Or if I do this, now I'm gonna be lumped in with that, right? Just share your honest opinion. That's what we do on this show, and it's fine to do that about everything. Just share but in this, your honest opinion but in this about chat, these things. This wasn't even just an opinion. No, it's fact. And, and yeah. it was, but uh, you know, and Dan no, Z, I'm saying I'm not talking just to them. I'm saying to everyone. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't hold back because you think if I state this online or I do this, I'm going to be lumped in with this group. Or if I, I'm look, look, I'm using my right and left hand. You can probably figure out what I'm talking about here. Or if I say this or do this or side with this person. Uh, you know, I say one good thing about Aaron Rodgers, and then I'm going to be out with my friend group over here on social media, right? I'm using my left hand when I say that. Just give your honest opinion. And I think the world would be a much better place, and don't fear repercussions of that honest opinion. I'd like more, just like I talked about with coaches and players, give me more genuine, honest reaction and opinion as opposed to what you think the group think wants you to say. Yeah. Uh, John McClain uh, coming up. We dive into the top NFL headlines, which includes Justin Fields uh, with something he's done with the Chicago Bears, where I think the presumption is he's going to be traded. We will also uh, get into uh, the, the new favorite to be the next quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Straight ahead on Hot Mike. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow rolls on. Six in the Peabody at our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Glad John McClain is with oh, us. Oh, the great John McClain, our Hall of Famer. John. Look at this beautiful man. Good He's to see you. He's got the hat on to prove it. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Doing well. Uh, oh, it, it, the date is finally here. The teams can now begin to franchise tag players as we wait for the deadline. Not the beginning, but the deadline, John. Um, but... There are some intriguing names on this list. We'll have all the top free agents for 2024. And ultimately, those top free agents are going to remain with their team, right? Yeah, I would imagine guys that have hit 30, they're not going to get big contracts from other teams. Not long-term, certainly. This is not baseball where they'll give 30-year-olds 10 years, no 10 and 12 years, knowing that the last few years they're just spoon-feeding them money. And hopefully they will earn it before that. And in football, like 
A guy like Chris Jones, he's not going to get a five-year contract. He's 30 years old. Derrick Henry's not going to get a five-year contract. So guys got to be realistic, And uh, but it's still interesting to see who's out there and how teams handle free agency. The salary cap has gone up. It always goes up, except for the COVID year. Um, but it's going up more than expected, than projected. Why? Well, first of all, all that income, they have so many sources of income. And then there's a little negotiations that go on at the Combine about what all's involved in that before they settle on a number. I know Mike Florio uh, posted it's going up $20 million. Then he quoted a guy close to the situation, said, nope, more than that. That's music to the ears of teams who have a lot of problems with the cap. I can't remember which team it is. Maybe it's the 49ers. 75 million over the cap could be the Saints. So they've got to do some serious reorganizing, cutting, uh, redoing deals to get down below the cap uh, by the deadline. And when free agency begins, combines next week, of course, that's the time where everybody starts cheating and talking to the teams, talk to the agents about their free agents who are not technically free agents. And it's illegal. We know they would never of course break not. the rules. But it's about to crank up, and it's the fun part of the offseason leading up to the draft. So the, the teams that have the most work to do, but that this news certainly uh, is uh, is wanted and needed. Buffalo with $53 million over currently. You have the Chargers at 55 over. The Dolphins at 58.8 over. And the Saints at $87 million. <laughs> over the cap currently. They have kicked the can down the road. They'll try to do it again. They claim that they have a plan for all of this. That's what they said publicly. I, To me, if the cap is real, you can't continue to do this, can you? Well, you can continue to do it if you've got a quarterback, which they don't. You know, they're always looking for a quarterback. And you push it down the road while the window is open. Yeah. And that window has not been open for quite a while. And it's amazing how a team that is that mediocre can have a cap situation that's that bad and has to have so much basically uh, emergency surgery done on their cap. But uh, and then there's a lot of others that have the most that have a lot of room to spend, like the Texans do, the Bears do. The Bears are in such great shape in this offseason. If they screw it up, uh, they probably should fire everybody. Well, the, the decision that they have is starts at quarterback. Um, Justin Fields is unfollowing uh, the Bears. And, oh and, my God! I know, but hey, that's the, oh, that's the way to get people's trembling. attention. That's the way to get people's attention. Um, uh, the media, especially, there'll be a headline. It, are they going to trade him? And if so, what does he bring, John? Because he's he's going to have the option, but also you're trading for a quarterback that you're going to spend a lot of money on, and you're going to invest in. There are not many suitors like that currently. First of all, they're going to trade him. Anybody who thinks they're not going to trade him is nutso. They're going after Caleb Williams, who's an outstanding quarterback prospect. Justin Fields is going into his third season, and we're still having questions about, is he a franchise quarterback? At this point of his career, they ought to have a pretty good idea, and they're going to trade him. They're going to get the most they can get. There's a lot of talk about Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has had an ultra-conservative passing game. They're all about running the ball, playing great defense. He does not seem like a Steelers quarterback to me. He should go somewhere where they have 
a quarterback coach and an offensive coordinator who calls the plays or the head coach who has wants to utilize a, a quarterback who's very mobile, who's got a good arm, who's played with some bad teams. He's developed a lot of bad habits. And you got to believe because he'll play one year uh, on his fifth-year option, and then you're going to have to pay him a lot of money because if you don't, you'll look like a fool for making a trade to begin with. I love all these national media people who tell the Bears that they should definitely keep him. He's definitely a franchise quarterback. And I'm thinking, how many games have they watched of Justin Fields. They haven't seen him in practice like the Bears have. He's got a lot of potential, just like he did when he came to the league. Caleb Williams is supposed to be a great prospect. How could you not draft Caleb Williams if you have a chance? And that's not even because of the contract. In fact, you're going to have him for four years on a rookie deal. Well, and John, the issue I'd have on the on the Bears discussion part of this is my follow-up question is how much do we trust the opinion of that Bears coaching staff? Uh, with, with when it comes to Justin Fields or, or any quarterback, right? Given their lack of, of, of any success in Chicago. And, and I, that's where this is a weird spot. You're right. They're in a great situation, draft pick wise, cap, everything else. They can do so many different things. But I'll ask you, how much do you trust Matt Eberflus and the powers that be in Chicago to actually make the right decisions? Um, let me tell you something very interesting, Chadillac. Uh, Cleveland, when's the last time Cleveland had a quarterback who could pass the ball all over the field? Bernie Kosar, I don't know if he ever had 30 touchdown passes, certainly not 35. The Bears, those teams that play on a great lake and the stadium's there, they got to be able to run the ball. They got to be able to play defense. They got to have multiple running backs. Caleb Williams, to me, if he's got you got to have a great arm. Buffalo's quarterbacks always have to have a great arm because they're playing in wind almost incessantly. Caleb Williams has got a great arm. Justin Fields does not. And so they've got to the McCaskey family has got to trust Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and the personnel department to get this right, not just with the first pick. If they take Caleb Williams, everybody will agree with it. And if they were to trade him, say, to Washington, they better be in love with Drake May or Jaden Daniels. And then they've got, what, the ninth pick, something like yes, that? Yes, they do. Where they can get an offensive tackle to protect him or a wide receiver, another weapon. As you guys well know, if you can't protect your quarterback, it doesn't matter who you got at wide receiver. You're just spinning your wheels. And the Titans made a great move by getting – Bill Callahan, one of the best offensive line coaches in the league, he can do a better job of making chicken salad out of chicken, you know what, spit better than any offensive line coach in the NFL. And but you've got to protect him, then you got to get playmakers. So I'm guessing the Bears will use that one on one of the top two tackles instead of a receiver because it's such a great draft for receivers. You can get them later, but I think if you know they could, they could certainly screw it up. They're the Bears. But uh, conventional wisdom says take Caleb Williams and draft a tackle to protect him, and if and then you got extra, you you still got other picks to where you can work on the wideouts and the defense. John, I'm, I'm going to go into the assumption that Derrick Henry's not going to be a Titan because he basically said all of his goodbyes. He thanked countless staff members in Nashville. Sounded like a big farewell to, to the Titans. 
He's also been on the record that he wants to go win a Super Bowl. Uh, that, that guy wants to win, and everyone knows that about him, first and foremost. So knowing these things, and we've gone through the different cap situations of different teams, so you can factor that in also. What spot makes the most sense for Derrick Henry to go help a Super Bowl contender possibly get over the hump and win that elusive Super Bowl ring for him? Well, I don't think this is going to happen, but he should have Andy Reid on his speed dial because they're going to be favored every year. Now you go to Baltimore where they led the league in rushing and they just choked in the playoffs by letting the backs carry six times for 23 yards right after the Ravens had rushed for 221 against the Texans. So they could certainly use him as well, and he might be able to help them get over the hump. But I'm, I'm, you never know. He might want to go where he can get the most money because if he wants the best deal uh, for a team that helps him go to the playoffs, he could go to Baltimore and get into that mix. You know, he's not going to be the number one guy touching the ball 25 times a game because that's not John Harbaugh's philosophy, but everybody thinks he'd be a great fit there. I think anybody would be a good fit. You know, you got Isaiah Pacheco. They're not going to spend a lot of money, but for the chance to play with Patrick Mahomes, I think I'd walk there on my knees and have my hands clasped in front of Andy and say, just tell me where to sign for whatever you want. But that's not the way it works. I'd love to see Derrick Henry come here. They uh, Devin Singletary was their leading rusher. His contract's up. Damian Pierce never could adjust to the zone scheme. Derrick has played it there. I don't think it'll happen because they're not in the habit of giving money to 30-year-olds here. But uh, he'll get a job. And right off the bat, I would think Baltimore, if he wanted to be in the kind of running game that is right up his alley, it would be the Ravens. John, why is Russell Wilson the odds-on favorite right now to land in Pittsburgh? <laughs> uh, I don't have any idea. Pittsburgh's passing game has been mediocre for so long. And if they wanted to continue to be mediocre, get Russell Wilson. There's a good chance he's going to be cut. They're going to take their lumps on the dead money and the cap, and then he'll be able to sign. Some people say, well, Atlanta should get him. Washington should get him. Well, Kirk Cousins is going to be uh, ahead of him in it looks like the story came out Minnesota would not give Curzons a, a guaranteed contract like they did last time. So I'm guessing Cousins wants a chance to play with good players. I would think Atlanta because they got a tight end, wide receiver, two running backs, good offensive line. They're a quarterback away. If I'm Cousins, I'm calling, I'm calling the uh, Falcons and I'm saying, let's talk. And uh, as far as Russell Wilson, you know, he'll end up somewhere. But, boy, how his his star has fallen so far these last two years, and the Seahawks were not stupid. That decline began in his last season with them. John, uh, the, the battle behind the scenes, maybe not battle, but maybe it is. Why? How is the NFL caught off guard with all of the partnerships that are going on right now in the streaming in the streaming landscape, where Peacock and Paramount Plus are talking partnership? Of course, we know about ESPN, Fox, and and Warner Brothers Discovery, uh, where the reports are the NFL was was surprised. Um, what's the talks like behind the scenes? You think? Those are media reports that the, that uh, the NFL didn't know about it. Do we really believe ESPN, which gives them a billion dollars just for Monday night, is going to do something behind their back and not tell anybody about it? I don't buy that for a second. Uh, 
And I think it's going to be good for the fans. I think it'll somehow be good for the NFL because every move the NFL makes when it comes to TV, now streaming, gambling, everything works for the league. So I don't buy for a second. They could keep something like that quiet and go behind the NFL's back when the NFL is not just the 800-pound gorilla. It's the, as somebody said this week, can't remember what player it was or coach said, we knocked off the 800-pound gorilla, 900-pound gorilla. Now, oh, it's talking about the Dodgers. It was somebody from the Diamondbacks said, well, last season we knocked off the 900-pound gorilla. Now we got to knock off the billion-pound gorilla because the, all the money the Dodgers have spent, it's the same way in the NFL. None of that's going to happen without somebody knowing what's going on because who wants to make the NFL mad when it's the most powerful entity in sports? Yeah, and they would be mad because they're, you know, ESPN solely invested in football. You can tell what they've done with the college football playoff and, of course, the NFL. $2.7 billion, by the way, annually is what they're paying uh, to to the NFL. Um, but the, with the streaming services coming together, the, the, the whole report about looking for loopholes the NFL wants to continue to control more money and have the prices go up and have the bidding war continue uh, whenever, you know, possibly Netflix, but also Amazon. Amazon Prime's always looking for another billion to hand over. Um, you've got everyone now exclusive playoff games. They want to continue that trend instead of looking at these contracts and wondering, can these partnerships come together and air a game already? That's the intriguing part to me. And remember at one point early on when they started streaming, Google was involved. And Google's like all the others. They're worth hundreds of billions of dollars. So the NFL is certainly not going to get shortchanged on this. The NFL always comes out on top. The ones that should be interested in it is us, the consumers. Yes. Because I saw a thing today they would charge between 40 and 50 a month for this service. And a lot of people wouldn't like that. But, man, if you got a monopoly – you got a monopoly. And if government, if they're not careful, the government could get involved for ant possible antitrust violations, which is something the NFL and baseball, all the sports have to worry about. John, final thing for you. Bill Belichick called Matthew Slater the greatest special teams player in the history of the NFL. You're a pro football Hall of Fame selector. What do you think when you hear that? Well, that's that's great. Everybody's always said that about Steve Tasker. I'm sure people in Buffalo would disagree. But uh, they're two of the greatest. And when they say special teams, those guys were about covering, covering and blocking and not kicking and punting. It's always hard for me to think about putting a special teamer in over a player to position. Right. Unless it's a down year. Adam Vinatieri is about to come up. I'll vote for him when Justin Tucker comes up. I'll vote for him as well. And uh, if anybody's going to go that covered kicks, Steve Tasker and Matthew Slater, would be the first two to me. Yeah, and Slater may be the last with the way the game is changing on special teams, John. That's a great point. If Travis Kelsey beat up Justin Tucker and they're back <laughs> and forth before the game, would that have helped or hurt his Pro Football Hall of Fame <laughs> candidacy in your eyes, John? Uh, I think uh, if he had punched, if he'd turn around and punched out Kelsey, he'd probably been first ballot. I mean, also, if Kelsey would have punched him out and he got Kelsey kicked out of the game before it started, that's first ballot Hall of Fame stuff right there, yeah, right? Is they, kicker takes they a punch. Play, they still would have lost. Yeah. Yeah. Kicker takes a punch from star player and gets him out of the game. I'm, I'm voting him in. John, thank you as always. Have a great rest of the week. We always enjoy these visits. 
Jonathan Chadlack, thank you very much as always. You're the man, John, John McClain. McClain. Thank you. McClain underscore underscore NFL is where you can find uh, the great John McClain. He's awesome. John, would you, uh, uh, John, Chad, would you take a. Uh, I'll, I'll take John. In a he fight. calls me Chadlack. You can call me John, John all you want. John. Yeah, John. Uh, yeah, John. In a fight, would you like to go with uh, a, a Catholic university or a public university? We, we had that uh, in a, a post game fight brawl. I, I think you always go parochial. You know, any any parochial school of any kind, you take them. They're probably minus one ten in a fight. Okay, I, I, I would I would go that direction. Okay, uh, the third largest Texas A and M uh, university system uh, is Texas A&M versus Palmer. a school that you didn't think would be involved in a big massive brawl. Incarnate Word. They both came to fight. We, we'll have we'll have these footage. guys did come to fight. Yes, th- this was not a situation where you take one look and say these guys yeah. don't want to fight. They wanted to fight. Yeah, uh, Machine Gun Kelly's always wanting to fight too. At, at recent face to face with the I don't UFC know why. Guy. Is it Megan Fox? You think that I would calm know. a man, but instead he wants to fight. You would think so. Then you, yeah. Uh, that's next on Hot Mike.